Welcome, 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 welcome everybody to the 22nd episode of Don't Be Broke, Be Woke. I'm your host, Adrian Solomon. Excited to have you guys here for another interesting topic that for the past week or two, I've had different discussions on uh, social media with some, some folks. And it's really, you know, going into how to build and create wealth passively, specifically dealing with avoiding the idea of trying to get rich quick. It is, you know, because of YouTube and other social media pieces, people are obsessed with this idea that, you know, you can just go ahead and be rich very quickly. All of the Reddit, Wall Street bet, GameStop trades and all that stuff only emphasized how unrealistic that is and how lucky it is to be able to do that. And I want to preference by saying that, can you get rich quick in the stock market? Yes. Is it common? No. Is it easy? Definitely not. Will you lose? Most definitely yes. And will you lose more often? Uh, often, and that's more, more, more the question, and that's a yes. So for today, what I want to talk about is stepping back a little, right? You know, people want to know how they can get invested, how they can start in the, in the stock market. And, you know, my first question typically is, you know, what is, what's the goal for you, right? I've posted a lot of different, I guess, scenarios on how people actually can build wealth, can create wealth, can become millionaires. But a lot of it, you know, sometimes, well, not sometimes, a lot of it requires patience and time. Because in order for compound interest to actually work, it requires time, which is why becoming rich quick is very difficult to do because one, it requires a lot of money to get started. And then two, it requires that money to exponentially grow very, very quickly. And so there are ways where you could do that. You can basically put a lot of money in a speculative stock that just explode and you get rich. That to me is like, putting $100 into a lotto ticket and you win it back. There is option trading, but even that, short-term, your odds of losing your money increases. Long-term, you have a really good chance of growing your money. But then again, a lot of people are not looking for that long-term. They're looking for short-term richness. So I typically caution people. And so it's, you know, having this discussion with with a friend of mine and I use this analogy. You have someone who is looking at themselves in the mirror and they want to uh, make some changes to their bodies. And so to the left, they see pills, potential steroid shots, all these different things that they can take to help get their bodies there a lot quicker. On the right, you have all of the information and the capabilities to actually eat right and go and work out consistently for a certain amount of time. So that person can basically combine the two, right? Which a lot of times, a lot of people will do by taking the supplements and the, you know, the enhancements and all that to help them get to the goal a lot quicker. So the person to the right can basically say, I want to do this all natural. Yes, it's going to take more time, but I know that in the end, 
my losses to my body physically will be less because I've done this naturally. And sure, it will take me more time, but I'll feel better, right? That's kind of the way I look at the the two ways that people think about making money in the stock market. And though it, it could be looked at a very terrible analogy, it came out of nowhere. And that's what I use. And people who know me know that I come up with crazy analogies. And so you can look at, I want to get rich now, or I don't mind 20 years because I know that I'm building towards something. I can take risk, but I can still basically do it very slowly. And so for today, I think it's important for us to understand how to do this. What exactly does it mean to passively invest in the market? But most importantly, what is like index investing, which is kind of one of the things that I've discussed in my social media platform before. So let's take a step back. Let's look at what that means, looking at indexes, how you can use that to basically build wealth, right? So I'm sure you guys have probably looked, anytime you go online or you look at you know any kind of business channel, they always show you tickers. And tickers always typically talk about three different indexes. You'll see everyone's talking about the Dow Jones, the stock market is up. Every time you talk about it, they're talking about the stock market is up. They're specifically talking about Dow Jones, which is the most commonly used index to, I guess, tell the pulse on how the market is doing, right? And it's basically the Dow Jones Industrial Average. What is the Dow Jones, basically? Dow Jones was an index that was created by Charles Dow. He's basically the founder of the Wall Street Journal. He created the index to track what he considered to be the 12 most important industrial sectors of the U.S. economy. This was back in 1890. Well, in the 1890s. And that time, it included sugar, tobacco, gas, electric. You think about the 1890s. So at the time, there was one company that was put on, and it's still there today. And that's GE or General Electric. Now there's Boeing, Walt Disney, Apple, uh, McDonald's, Nike, and others, right? So in essence, what the Dow Jones is doing, it's looking at a variety of different sectors of the U.S. economy and taking 30 companies, 30 largest companies that have the greatest impact on the economy. And so how the Dow Jones operate, a lot of times it tells people how the economy operates. And that couldn't be further from the truth. That's the Dow Jones. The second popular index and this is one where I think most people have actually heard of this quite often, is the Standard & Poor's Index, which is widely known as the S&P Index or the S&P 500. The index, this specific index, really consists of the top 500 companies that are traded in the U.S. stock exchanges. Now, one thing I want to basically point out uh, and going back to the Dow Jones. So the way that these are indexed is that they put all these companies inside this specific indexes. So in the Dow Jones, you have 30. and the S&P 500, you have 500, right? So the way that the S&P 500 companies are weighed, they're weighed by market capitalization. And what that really means is they're basically put in the stock, I mean, in the index, based on how big the company is. 
not stock price, right? So this is important. Not stock price, but based on how big the company is by market cap. Market cap, in essence, is really the stock price multiplied by the number of outstanding shares of this company. So you're probably thinking, huh? All you have to do is if you have any brokerage account or you know anything that you use to look at your stocks or whichever, you can actually see what the stock, stock price is. And then also it'll show you the number of outstanding shares of this company. Now, most of these these informational tickers in these brokerages will also tell you what the market cap is, but that's really how the market cap is calculated. Apple, for example, has a $2 trillion market cap. It is the biggest company in the world by market cap. So without a doubt, they are the number one company in S&P 500 because by market cap, they are the biggest company, right? So in the S&P 500, the top 500 companies in the U.S. by market capitalization. And so take an example real quick is that Tesla was just put in the S&P 500. I'm not going to get into how you get in there or what do you have to do to get in there. That's a whole different discussion. But Tesla was just actually put in the S&P 500 about a month or two ago. Tesla's market cap is the fifth biggest company in the U.S. now by market cap. They just got put in the S&P 500, and the moment they got put, they were basically behind Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet, or Google. And then they actually were six at the time behind Facebook, but they've overtaken Facebook. So that's just to give you an idea of how the companies are listed in the S&P 500. So just to give you one more example of how impactful, you know, these companies are, especially the ones at the top. If you were to look at 1% move in Apple, right? So just 1% move in Apple, which is what I mentioned, the world's biggest company, they account for about 6.7% of the index at this point. So Apple's a huge piece of the index, but that 1% move. So in other words, if the Apple stock price goes up by 1%, that 1% move affects the index far more than 1% move by the company who has 0.0007% of the index. So like there are 500 companies in there and they're the biggest companies in the US, or at least the top 500 companies that are traded in the U.S. stock exchange, and that 1% move by Apple, right, will affect that index way more than than the 1% move in a company that has a far lower percentage of the index, which makes sense, right? The top 20 companies in the index, I think, do make up for 75% of kind of the market cap of the entire index. So in essence, if you look at the top 20 companies in there, they're actually the ones moving that index. So that's the S&P 500. A lot of times people hear about index investing and it's mirroring the the S&P 500. That's really what that means. The S&P 500 has been the benchmark of investors more so because that provides almost everyone the snapshot of how I don't want to say how the economy is doing, but how U.S. companies are performing. And 
if you are trying to get into companies and not knowing which company to get into, the idea has always been to get in all these companies because you're lowering your risk, you're creating diversification in your portfolio, and you're following an index of the top companies, which basically means that you'll never lose your money. You'll always grow your money, right? Now, the third popular index is, especially in the past, I think, decade, this index has really grown in, in popularity, and it's basically the NASDAQ Composite Index. This index has more than 2,500 stocks traded on the NASDAQ exchange. In the past, the NASDAQ has always listed more speculative companies, but a lot of them have become really, really high performers. And it's always been known as a technology heavy. So unlike the S&P 500, which really draws from the larger companies in like about 11 or 12 sectors, the NASDAQ is a little bit less diversified. And about half of the companies listed are technology companies. And so, you know, it's very tech focused. So there is an index fund or ETF called QQQ. It's the Invesco QQQ ETF index fund. It tracks the NASDAQ 100. And what is the NASDAQ 100? It's basically the top 100 companies in the NASDAQ. Tesla, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, but concentrating on mostly, mostly tech. There are some financial companies in there. There's a lot of biotech companies, but that ETF has performed way better than the S&P 500 by at least 20% over the past four or five years because how tech companies have really blown up. And you could easily say, well, clearly these tech companies are at the top five or six of the S&P. So the S&P has obviously moved. Well, yes, that's why the S&P has actually had really high return in the past so years. But because it's so tech heavy in NASDAQ, a lot of these companies are not in the S&P 500 because they're smaller companies. They may be big in sense of stock price, but the company has not reach a market cap to make them eligible to be in the S&P 500. And I say this because a lot of times people look at the stock price, my God, the stock price is so high. That's just people betting the price and the price going up. Apple's stock price should be over two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000, but they've done multiple stock splits. Same with Microsoft. So I think you kind of always need to be careful when you look at stock price. Because from an investor perspective, that doesn't tell you if the company is good or bad. It could impact if your your entry point is too high, but it doesn't tell you. So just looking at a company, and I'll give you an example, Shopify, their stock price is over 1500 I don't remember the price at this point, but they're not in the S&P 500. Why? Because they're still considered a small cap, mid cap company. They're not yet at one of the top 500 companies in the U.S., even though their price will tell you that they're bigger than Apple and bigger than Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. So just something to kind of keep in mind. So those are like the three popular indexes. So a lot of times when you look at those tickers, they'll a lot of times show you those three. Now, there is a fourth that people have been following a lot recently. And it's called the Russell 2000 Index. And the Russell 2000 Index, it represents the small cap stock portion of the equity universe. And it's a lot of smaller companies. And 
2,000 of the smallest companies based on market cap, market capitalization. So very high risk, high reward. A lot of these companies will grow 200, 300, 400, 500%. But a lot of them might go out of business as well. So hence the discussion about index investing. So index investing is where you invest to try to follow a particular index, right? So like I just mentioned what these indexes are, Russell. And so think about this. Let's just take the Russell 2000. You can go and find every company inside that index, right? And you see how much they've grown. What do you prefer to do? Sit around and figure out which one of these companies you want to continue to invest in? Which one of these companies are going to hit the the jackpot next? Which one of these companies will grow 4,000% for me to quadruple my money? Or do you rather basically invest in a mutual fund, index fund, ETF that will track that index and protect you from any crazy volatility with an individual stock? Which is to say, if a stock or if that stock that you pick dies, your money dies with it. Whereas if you invest in the entire index fund that tracks it, you're mirroring the performance of that index, which typically lowers your risk because your exposure is to 2,000 companies instead of one, right? So that's the beauty of the index investing, something that's been around for such a very long time. However, it has really taken off over the past five years. Active investing is where you know, and I mentioned this on a prior podcast before, is where you have fund managers that are basically trying to beat the market. They are buying and selling stocks within a portfolio to get their returns to actually better than the market. But how do you really do that nowadays? Back in the day, it was probably easy to do. But nowadays, one, the market has become a lot more volatile, a lot more unpredictable valuations of companies are skyrocketed. And so I don't have to pay someone ridiculous amount of money to try to beat the market when I can actually put my money in an index that's going to track the market. And anybody who's looked at the market recently will know that the market has been performing admirably, right? So why pay somebody to actively manage a fund to try to buy and sell, to try to beat the market, which a lot of times if not most most of the time, they are underperforming the index investors. And I'm paying you more money to do so, right? So what's the point of that? I want to stress this out, that you don't actually have to know a lot about investing to start investing. Everyone that I've talked to in the past two or three months to get started, I've basically told them three things, or at least I've asked a particular question, and it is, what's really your goal here, right? And the goal should be that you're trying to actually create wealth long-term or retirement income, whatever the case may be, right? You have to have a goal. Regardless of what you know or don't know about the stock market, if you're going to put your money in it, you have to have a goal. And the reason is that you shouldn't be touching this money. If this money is money that you're going to use for something, it is probably best not to put it in the market because this type of investing is long-term. It should not be something that you're trying to do in a couple of years, not only because you're not going to maximize your returns because compound interest doesn't really have a chance to really 
move, but also you're going to pay taxes on that when you sell it. But one of the things is that, look, you're going to open an account at a brokerage. Talked about some of my favorite, Vanguard, Fidelity, and Schwab. And we're going to put your money in an index fund. Typically, I'm going to basically put it in a large cap index fund, which is going to mirror the S&P 500. There are a bunch of different indexes or companies that have index funds or mutual funds that that mirror or track the S&P 500 index. Some of them will say S&P 500, others will say large cap, and it's really kind of the same. And honestly, what you should do is anytime you pull one of these companies, and I'll talk about a few in a minute, you can actually look at the composition of the fund or the holdings of the fund, and they'll show you the top 10 companies that are inside that holder. And 99.9% of the times, those companies will be the exact same companies and the S&P by cap because it's trying to mirror that index as much as possible. So the returns should be close to it. Give or take a few small percentage decimal points. So the warning here for you guys is that index investing is boring. Like it is boring. It doesn't require you to do any real work. None. Once you open your brokerage account, you've made your deposit, you know that the fund that you're going to use, you automate your investment in that fund, which by the way, index investing is what's created the ability for people to buy fractional shares. And part of that, and I say index investing, mutual fund investing, whatever you want to call it, because when you invest in the mutual fund index fund, you don't have to buy the entire share. You basically put automatic deposit and it's called automatic investment. And every time, you know, month or week or biweekly that the deposit is there, it's buying the exact same amount all the time, right? All the time. And so you automate and you're constantly investing and that money grows. How is that money growing? Two things. This is the beauty of index investing and how money continues to grow over time. One, appreciation interest. As that actual price point grows, right, you get paid on that interest, right? That interest will be reinvested inside and try to help. It's basically capital, right? And so you're you're growing it that way. The the second piece is dividend. So all of these companies, well, I wouldn't say all, a majority of the companies in the S&P 500 pay a dividend. And the dividend as is basically where a company is going to pay you for owning the stock price or the stock. So all of these funds also pay a dividend. Sometimes it's small, sometimes it's medium. You can actually get dividend type index funds. And I, I know I talked about this in one of the, the, the podcasts talking about how you can make passive income with $1,000. But that is, you can also pick, choose to have that money auto reinvested. So anytime that you get paid, so they'll pay you every quarter, that money goes right back and buys more of the shares, right? So you're basically having your money work for you. Think of this two years, five years, 10 years. At first, it doesn't look like it's growing any much that you would think. But after a while of you making the same deposit constant, and for that money to continue to grow for those deposits, for those interests, and dividend payments to come in and continue, that money grows. It is boring at first, right? But it's like planting a tree. It's nothing exciting, right? You just plant it, and after that, you wait, and you wait for it to blossom. 
That is index investing. You don't actually have to be, you know, really into the stock market to understand how how can you make a lot of money. You just need to understand that there's always risk when you come into the stock market. There's always risk when you put your money in there. There's always a risk that you might lose a good portion of your money if there's a huge pullback from the stock market like there was in March of 2020. But the idea is long term. And so if you had basically, let's just say, for example, if you had started investing in the index, index investing in January of 2020, and you had stayed the course, you hadn't done anything, March of 2020, the stock market took a plunge, lost 30, 40, 50% of its value, probably lost a bunch of money, but you didn't really lose it. That money was gone at the time, but then fast forward to today, you've actually, actually quadruple that money because the stock market has blown up since then. Some people will choose when that happens to that's when they'll put a lot of money on the sideline back in the market because they know that it's not going to stay down. So index investing sounds real boring because it's slow and you don't get to see, you know, 400% returns, you know, in a couple of months, but creating generational wealth is not something that happens overnight. And so index investing provides you with that path to get there. I will say that once you've become comfortable with what you are doing and you see that that money is growing, right, and you know that the amount that you're putting in is working for you and you're comfortable, and you get to a point where you start making additional money on the side that you want to basically double in, you can actually take that extra money and put it in that index to continue to invest more, or you can decide to do different type of investing. You can either buy individual stocks if you want to. Though, as I mentioned before, it's really hard, but you know what? It can be fun to research companies to try to invest in. If you want to invest in different type of indexes, if you want to invest in sectors, because you can actually, there's index funds and, and ETFs that track specific sectors, either it be technology, financials, healthcare, bonds, real estate, consumer staples, consumer discretionary, energy. You can do that as well. Just be careful, obviously, that when you do that, you're in an entire sector. So if that sector is, you know, if you're in the financial sector, for example, and there's a recession and there's a credit freeze, then you might you might lose some money. If you're in the energy, then you have to pick what type of stuff you want to be in. So so there's all these different types of indexes that you can invest to actually track a specific sector or theme. But it is always better to try to do that, especially at first, because you're lowering your risk instead of trying to buy an individual stock. So boring as it is, safe and wealth building, it can be later. And you don't have to start with a lot of money. You can start with $5 unless you're basically opening an account with Vanguard. Vanguard requires a $3,000 minimum. But all of the other ones, you can start with as little as 5 bucks to basically create that wealth that most people are looking for, not only for them, but the whole point of generational like building wealth is to create a situation where you can pass it along to kids or grandkids. Like people, you know, and I'm going to get personal here is people always talk about the inequality gap that exists when it comes to race and so forth. One of the situation, well, at least one of the reasons is because if you were to take a middle, middle-class white family, they may not make enough, but they understand that 
what they need to do to make sure that they take care of their kids when they pass or their grandkids when they pass. And that's something that's missing in most middle class black or Latino families. You know, it's not about in the moment because in the moment you're not creating anything of substance for you and your family. How can you create something of substance for your family? You buy assets and assets could be home, property, businesses, or owning stocks. And if you have a portfolio in which you have money that's there for when you retire, if whenever you pass, that passes along to your next of kin, to your kids. And guess what? Now they have an account that's been basically building for years that now they can do the same thing, continue to add to it, pass it on. That's what generational wealth is all about. It's about creating something that lasts way beyond your case. It's not about basically building a portfolio of $2 million and you have to try to spend that money when you, you, know, when you get older. You use it as much as you can for as for as much as you need, and then you pass it on. So that's the idea that I think a lot of us tend to forget, that it's not only about us, and it's not about now. So I know this is a topic that sometimes people say, I understand it, or it's boring. But I think for everyone who wants to get started and want to basically get in the market, you don't have to go about and, and read a bunch of books before you can get started. You do have to make sure, however, that you're paying debt before you're investing because the quicker you, you can pay off debt, the more money you have to invest. Think of paying off debt like a raise, like an additional income stream. So I would always say if you can actually pay off your debt before you start investing, great. If you want to start putting $5 and that's the way for you to start investing, perfect. But don't put in a substantial amount of money to work for you in the market while you still have debt outstanding because you're never going to get out of debt if you can't pay that off because you're you know busy investing. And I've known, and trust me, I was in a situation where I had to borrow or take money from my brokerage account to pay off debt at one point. So you don't want to do that either. So just focus on the principles of trying to make sure you get off your debt before you would invest in the market. So I hope this was at least informational for those of you who, who want to get started, who wonder how, who wonder, is it something for me? It is for you. It's not complicated. It's pretty simple. It is boring. And then once you get past the boring and you understand how it works, then you can start dabbling and be a little bit more daredevil, if I might add. So as always, do your research, understand what you're getting into. Hopefully it makes sense. If you have any questions, the beauty of part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast is like people have been reaching out through my DMs on Instagram and like, what does this mean? Like, how do I get started? Which account should I get into? I'm like, it's really simple. Let's just get you started with the basics and then we go from there. And that that in itself is fulfilling and I wouldn't change anything based on the amount of people who just started with $10 in the past couple of weeks to, to set up their account. So. Thank you all for the support as always. Share with your friends, subscribe, tell them to, to follow me on IG. Appreciate you guys as always. Remember, don't stay broke, be woke. Talk to you guys next time.